Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hello, my name is Matt, host of the Pirate History Podcast. Pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures. It can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast. This episode of Southern Gothic includes the description of a historical suicide. If you or a loved one is thinking about suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK or text HELLO to the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Both services are free and available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The link is in the show notes. Hey y'all, guess what happened? Brienne got yet another article published in a really cool paranormal journal. This time, it's in volume six of The Morbid Curious, a journal of ghosts, murder, and the macabre. Now, what's extra cool about this is that this is actually a special New Orleans issue, and the story she decided to tackle was the Sultan's Palace, which some of y'all might remember us covering about a year ago. Well, after the episode came out, we discovered a few new rabbit holes to go down, so Brianna's used the morbid curious as an opportunity to go even deeper into the subject than we did here on Southern Gothic. In fact, she even found a piece of that infamous Tree of the Dead in the Louisiana State Museum's archives. So, go ahead and grab yourself a copy, which also includes articles by Troy Taylor of the American Hauntings podcast and our friend Amanda Woomer of Spook Eats and the Feminine Macabre. I've gone ahead and put a link in the show notes for you if you'd like that. But if you come out to our show on October 14th, you can actually get a signed copy from Brienne herself. Because if you haven't heard, we're going live. 
That's right. I'm going to be on stage slinging stories at the historic Palace Theater in Gallatin, Tennessee on Friday, October 14th. The show start at 7 with the Unseen Paranormal podcast, and Eric will be discussing the history behind the century-old theater. And then, I'm going to take the stage for some good old-fashioned Southern storytelling. And I'm going to be accompanied by one of my favorite guitar players, Alexandra Mann of the Mann Sisters. So, get your tickets now at southerngothicmedia.com. It's going to be a great night, and we would love to see you there. Now with that, let's go ahead and chat a little bit about the story we're going to tell you today that some people say is the most infamous ghost story in Alexandria, Virginia. Which honestly is a pretty bold claim because... Alexandria has been around since 1695, and it's the home to not only a ton of important historical events, but also important people. You might even remember a tale that we told a few years back called The Legend of the Female Stranger, which occurred there in Alexandria just after the War of 1812. Well, this story, much like that one, also includes the tragic death of a young woman but it happened much later, in 1868, following the Civil War. Since Alexandria sits just across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C., federal troops took possession of the city within days of Virginia's secession from the Union, utilizing its location as a supply center and transportation hub. Forts were constructed there to help protect the U.S. Capitol, and hospitals were occupied by the U.S. Army and filled with wounded men brought back from the front lines on trains. While the city itself was spared from physical harm during the war, by the end of the conflict, the city's economy was in the gutter. It's under these conditions that one of Alexandria's most enduring tales of love and loss took place. A story that has its roots firmly entrenched in fact, but whose tellings have become embellished over time to romanticize the premature death of a beautiful young woman while hiding the grim impact of the tragedy on her loved ones. It is a story known to many as the Burning Bride of Alexandria. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Y'all, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about one of my favorite nonprofit organizations here in Middle Tennessee. It's called Poster Nashville. Now, this organization supports people during times of housing or medical crises by providing compassionate, temporary care for their pets. That's right. Poster helps secure loving homes for beloved little furballs when their human companions are going through things that might otherwise cause them to have to give them up. But since Poster began back in 2020, they've been able to reunite nearly 250 pets with their loving pet parents after they were able to secure housing keeping families together through tough times. Of course, y'all, I have to say from personal experience, it's been an awesome program to be around. 
My kids and I have been fortunate enough to hang out with some of the pups. And trust me, what Poster is doing through a devoted network of volunteers is absolutely heartwarming. So if you'd like to help, Poster is in the middle of their annual fundraiser right now, trying to hit a goal of $20,000. And it would mean the world to me if you'd consider helping us get there. All you got to do is visit southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. That's right, southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Laura Schaefer and Charles Tennyson were deeply in love and planned to marry sometime in the summer of 1868. Laura was 26 years old at the time and was the youngest daughter of Alexandria confectioner Christian Schaefer. But she was also an incredibly beautiful woman, and according to folks around town, her relationship with Charles was a, quote, sweet romance, well known throughout Alexandria. Unfortunately, though, the pair never made it to the altar. On the evening of June 27, 1868, the night before the couple was purportedly set to wed, a horrific tragedy occurred in the Schaefer home at 107 North Fairfax Street. Excited for what the following day would bring, she eagerly decided to try on her wedding gown one last time before the ceremony. Some say the dress was a relatively simple affair, while others insist that it was one of elaborate craftsmanship, with incredible detail and a train that required up to 15 yards of silk. But either way, the result would have been the same. Laura crossed the hallway to help her grandmother to bed and say her goodnights, and upon returning to her room, still wearing the beautiful lace gown, she shut the bedroom door behind her completely unaware that the train had gotten caught on something. The catch of her dress must have caused Laura to jerk slightly in response, a small but fatal reaction that caused the kerosene lamp she had been carrying to crack. Burning fuel splashed onto her dress and within seconds it was consumed by flames. 
Desperate for help, she turned back to the door and struggled in vain to open it, screaming for assistance, banging on the door until eventually it gave way. But this wasn't the saving event that the woman had cried for. Instead, the rush of air that entered the room only fanned the flames even further. Then, screaming at the top of her lungs, she tumbled out into the hallway, her hair ablaze. But by the time her mother and brother-in-law heard her desperate pleas for help and were able to rush to her side to extinguish the fire, the damage was already done. A doctor was then called to the Schaefer's residence, but the bride-to-be's burns were so severe that nothing could be done but wait for the poor girl to meet her maker. As for how conscious or aware she was at this time, or even how much pain she endured, we'll never know. The following morning, at 11 a.m., on Sunday, June 28, 1868, Laura Schaefer finally let go, passing on to the other side on what would have been her wedding day. Fortunately, her fiancé Charles was there with her as she passed, but the grief he experienced from this loss was far too great to overcome, as it's said that not long after, he succumbed to his broken heart and followed his beloved into the afterlife so that the pair could finally be reunited in death. Today, what was once the Schaefer's home still stands at 107 North Fairfax Street in what is now considered Old Town Alexandria. In over a century and a half since the tragedy, the building has served as everything from a real estate office to a candy store and is now an ice cream parlor. But no matter who the inhabitants of the building are, the people who spend their time there all claim to experience strange events that they believe are linked to that fateful day in 1868. One of the most common claims is that the faint smell of smoke can be found wafting through the air, accompanied by a cold burst down the staircase from nowhere. It's on this stairwell that Laura, in flames, fled down in an attempt to get help and some say her spirit still does today as they've heard the disembodied sounds of a woman screaming, followed by the echoes of someone running down the stairs before crashing onto the floor at the bottom. Others believe they've seen things here as well, purportedly encountering at night what appears to be a lit lamp moving throughout when no one is there. One woman who once worked in the old Schaefer home reported hearing a rustling noise in what should have been an empty room. 
She became alarmed when she began to smell smoke and attempted to open the door, but it seemed stuck within the frame. After several minutes of pulling and tugging, the door suddenly flew open and the woman recalled an intense gust of heat that rushed past her before disembodied footsteps took off running down the stairs. The woman saw no one. Many believe that Laura Schaefer remains trapped in this house, forever reliving the horror of her death and lamenting her unlived life with her beloved Charles. It's said that some, particularly children, have even seen her apparition appear, wearing what is presumed to be a wedding dress. But she doesn't wear it with the pride she had hoped to in life. Rather, she huddles in a corner and weeps. Of course, Laura isn't the only spirit believed to inhabit the building. Some say her fiancé Charles Tennyson is there as well. This spirit, however, is said to be remarkably unpleasant and brings about unexplainable feelings of anger or claustrophobia in those who come in contact with him. Said to most frequently inhabit the basement of the building, one former owner purportedly recorded the entity saying enough and leave. Author Michael Lee Pope chronicled the encounter in his books Ghosts of Alexandria. Quote, Although she could not see who or what was haunting the basement, she somehow knew that it was a male. This was not Laura, said the owner. This was definitely a male. I could feel him there with me. It was spooky. Whether or not these hauntings truly are the spirits of lost love is up to those who experience them to decide. But even skeptics can't deny that the real-life event that fuels them has become one of Alexandria's most infamous ghost stories. Yet here's the thing. The ghost story isn't nearly as grim as what actually happened. We'll dive even deeper into these historical events the true-to-life story, and more after the break. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What's something you learned in history class that you feel wasn't the whole truth? 
Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. I believe that all history, no matter how good or bad, needs to be told. There are wars, massacres, battles, and entire historical events that are just not in our school's history books. Have you ever heard of Mary Bowser? I didn't think so. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. So come huddle around the campfire with me and get ready to hear the stories that you were robbed of. And get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. On June 28, 1868, 26-year-old Laura Schaefer died from the extreme injuries she received the night before when she was consumed by fire after an accident with a kerosene lamp. Then, not long after, her beloved fiancé Charles Tennyson followed her to the other side when his broken heart became too much of a burden to bear. This tale of love and loss has been told for well over a century but the truth about what really occurred here is far darker than most who visit 107 North Fairfax Street can possibly handle. Horace Schaefer was born on April 13, 1842, in Alexandria, Virginia. She was the youngest child of Christian and Susan Schaefer, who had emigrated to the United States from Germany. Christian was a well-known and respected confectioner in the city and operated a sweet shop on the bottom floor of their family's property while their family lived on the floors above. According to Laura Schaefer's obituary, which was published on July 11, 1868, the young woman was, quote, naturally amiable in disposition. Her religion rendered her very lovely and attractive, and those who knew her best bear testimony that she was a good girl She was a dutiful daughter, a kind, affectionate sister. What the newspaper would later call a, quote, fatal and melancholy affair did in fact occur on the evening of June 27, 1868. But this night was not actually the eve of Laura and Charles's wedding, as the legend suggests. Instead, it would have very likely been just a normal, mundane evening in the life of the Schaefer family. After closing the downstairs shop for the day, they may have spent time together talking and preparing dinner, or possibly even working on the sweets that would be sold in their store the next day. Laura, is reported to have gone to her room at some point on the third floor of the building to, quote, dress for the evening, a room that she shared with her grandmother, Mrs. Bollinger. Then, 
After finishing her evening preparations, the young girl crossed the hall to her father's room to retrieve a handkerchief from his bureau drawer. And to light her way, she carried a kerosene lamp. But before Laura had even fully re-entered her room, the lamp had somehow cracked and she was doused in burning fuel. It was reported that she immediately threw the lamp into the fireplace and ran from the room screaming for help. William Phillips, Laura's brother-in-law, was seated on the stoop of the confectionery shop when these horrors began, and upon hearing Laura's screams, he ran into the building to find her consumed with flames, quote, extended far above her head. Laura's mother tried to put the growing flames out, but only burned herself in the process. So Phillips tore off his coat and wrapped it around the woman, finally stifling the flames. A doctor identified only as Dr. Lewis was called, but as the story relates, absolutely nothing could be done. According to the Alexandria Gazette, quote, every expedient that science could suggest or art apply that might possibly prevent or hinder the approach of death was resorted to, but in vain, for nearly the whole surface of her body was severely burned, and in some places, to the consistency of a crisp. Laura Schaefer died the following morning, just a little after 11 a.m. As for Charles, well, he did in fact die of a broken heart. However, what the story often fails to mention is that the broken heart led Charles to suicide. The Alexandria Gazette reports, About three hours after her death, or about two o'clock, Mr. Charles Tennyson, son of Mr. Samuel Tennyson, a young gentleman well and favorably known in the community, who rumor says was engaged to be married to the deceased and who had been her constant companion for years, she refusing to have other company, and who was at her bedside when she died, sent for a friend, Mr. Henry Green, to come and see him. And when Mr. Green arrived, proposed to walk to Mr. Schaefer's house. Mr. Green consented, and the two walked down Cameron Street to water, and down water to the first alley connecting that street with Fairfax, and directly on the way to Mr. Schaefer's residence, up which they proceeded as far as the gate leading into the wholesale liquor store of Downham and Green, of which firm his friend was a member. A short time after entering the store, he said he believed he would take a drink, and Mr. Green, having drawn him what he desired and handed it to him as he stood in the middle of the store, he drank it, giving us a toast. Here's to you and I. God save us. Mr. Green took the empty tumbler and whilst carrying it back to the water stand, was startled by the report of a pistol and turning, saw Mr. Tennyson fall heavily to the floor. He had deliberately drawn a five-barreled Whitney revolver from his pocket and with his right hand placed its muzzle to his right temple and pulled the trigger. The ball entered the cavity of his skull and lodged upon the opposite side. Surgeons were called, but nothing could be done. 
Charles Tennyson followed his beloved Laura into the afterlife at approximately 3.20 in the afternoon on June 28, 1868, less than five hours after her passing. The truly tragic tale of Alexandria's burning bride is most certainly a memorable one. But what's the most notable difference between fact and fiction is that Laura wasn't wearing a wedding dress when the horrific tragedy befell her. In fact, she might not have even owned one in the first place. The couple was not actually set to wed the following day, and there's little documentary evidence to suggest that she and Charles were actually even engaged in the first place. Laura's obituary fails to even mention Charles at all, and the later edition of the Alexandria Gazette chronicling Charles' death relates that their engagement may have just been a widely accepted rumor in the community, as Charles had, quote, been her constant companion for years, she refusing to have other company. Either way, the pair clearly cared for each other a great deal, and Charles obviously felt that he could not live without Laura. But as we stated, this part of the story has also been adapted for the commonly told legend, which typically relates nothing more than he died of a broken heart. Now, it's obvious why folks would embellish the tale with the fact that Laura's death was on the eve of her wedding, and that she was wearing the gown she had planned to wear the following day as this archetypal theme is common in ghost lore throughout the South. The juxtaposition of joy and heartache makes the tragedy seem so much more heart-wrenching, giving that much more credence to why her spirit is trapped on Fairfax Street. But why omit the true cause of Charles's death? Maybe it's just too grim for ghost tours, or maybe it's that his violent demise distracts from the real tragedy that of a beautiful young woman with all the promise in the world whose life ended far too soon. Of course, variations on how this story is told has had very little effect on the hauntings that actually occur today. And it seems that over the last century and a half, Enough people have had paranormal experiences in the home to leave the rest of us to wonder whether her heartbroken spirit is still trapped there today. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksnyder with the support of listeners like you. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to receive even more content, including ad-free episodes, head over to our Patreon page today. The link is in the show notes. Lucky Lady Shacks.